Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Do you love dogs? So do I. That's why today's episode is brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at www.getbarkbox.com forward slash paratruth. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I am Justin. And we are your hosts, as usual, as it has been for the past, what, three years, right? About approximately. It's over three years now, man. <laughs> over over three years. Yeah, time flies. Time flies. I for those of you flipping through <laughs> our old shows today and it's like, God, we've covered a lot in three yeah, years. A lot of stuff. For those of you just joining us for the first time, here's a little intro. We are the hosts here of Paratruth Radio, and we have been doing this for three years on PTR. However, our research goes back 11 years approximately, uh, all the way to the time before we had become the founders of a paranormal society known as the Night Stalkers Paranormal Society, the NSPS. From there, we started to um, work on and eventually created and developed a number of different paranormal radio shows between 2009 and today. This is the latest PTR and I think the best. So for any of you who are joining us for the first time and are curious about us, there you go. Uh, Otherwise, feel free to Check out paratruthradio.com where you can learn more about us, about this show, and about the topics that we cover. And if you have any questions, feel free to comment or email us uh, at the contact page on paratruthradio.com or, of course, also at facebook.com, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can find find all those links at paratruthradio.com as well. Absolutely. Now, for those of you who have been listening for the last three years or you know, even the last few weeks, I'm sure you're about ready to get into tonight's topic yep. because it is an interesting topic. This is a, a subject that was brought up to us by a, a listener and a friend of ours. And so we decided, you know, we would tell you guys every week, feel free to comment and give us ideas. And this is one of those times. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for those of you listening at FringeRadioNetwork.com, as well as ParatruthRadio.com. Let's get ready to expose some lies. Now Paratruth presents Toil, Toil, Kids and Trouble. Cambians, black-eyed kids, the children of the corn. In paranormal folklore, kids are creepy. And that doesn't exclude our headliner, the toil. The toil stands at around the height of a toddler but can be as small as an infant. It is noted as having greenish-gray skin, a bulbous head, and red, cloudy eyes. Some legends 
even claim that the creature has sharp teeth and claws. Now, this is a very interesting creature because it can be classified, in my opinion, as either a cryptid or a spirit, depending on the lore. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, this toil doesn't just exist on its own. Justin, in your research, what did you find in regards to how this being comes to be? The toil is actually brought to life by a shaman or somebody practicing the dark arts. Uh, the the toil specifically is a melee shaman, Malaysian. And they dig up a dead baby and basically reanimate it. And some of the stuff that I came across is it says it actually almost looks like it's mummified as well. Hmm. And it was interesting that the Toyol has kind of a connection to multiple areas around that around Malaysia, Indonesia, Cambodia, Thailand, uh, the Kuikia in Hokkien. In Thailand, it's the Koman Tong and the Koman Lei, male and female. Uh, in the Philippines, it's the Tianak. And in South Korea, it's the Doyol. And in Cambodia, it's the Kohen Crow. Now, interestingly enough, the Toyol is more of a somewhat like a, I guess, more like a zombie type feel to it. Like if you go back to voodoo rituals and look at that zombie, basically mm. it's somebody put into a a state where they're almost dead-like. In this sense, it's bringing it back from the grave, but it's used more for like fetching groceries and doing menial tasks, and on the occasion, killing somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, the Tianak, which is one of those ones I mentioned that's kind of similar, is more of a vampiric type, like, baby creature, I guess. <laughs> 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 or, or kid creature, or whatever. Uh, so it's a little bit different in the in the fact that it's almost... In a sense, it, it kills more than the the uh, Toyol would. Okay. Now, I'm going to call this a creature because, you know, after the re- reanimation, it's not so much a person anymore, you know, considering even though it's supposedly coming from this, uh, just had to say, but dead child, yeah. you know, whether it be an infant or a baby, you know, or a, uh, a fetus even in some cases uh, that, that I've come across here in the research. Um, I, this thing is definitely much more creature-like. Considering the sharp teeth and the pointed ears, some say that it's much more like a goblin uh, than it is anything relatable to human. Uh, you know, one thing that's kind of weird is that it's usually kept in a glass jar and hidden away in a dark place until it's needed. So that's going to say that once you have one, you can use it. Or store it and pull it out whenever you need it. However, according to legend, once you've summoned, I'm going to use this time, summoned or reanimated uh, this creature, it's yours for the rest of your life. And it also belongs to your every generation after you as well. Your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It has to be passed down forever and ever because nobody really knows what happens at the end of a contract. 
Oh, so it's uh, a this, dead baby pet. A baby pet. A baby pet, yes. It's creepy. Or a pet baby. Uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go, pet baby. <laughs> uh, so, so it's really interesting. This is very much like a, a deal with the devil, if you will, or signing a contract. Uh, once you sign in, that's it. You're signing in blood and you're stuck with this creature. There's no getting rid of it. Uh, now, there are some who say there are ways to do so, such as throwing it in the ocean, the jar and everything. Um, and some say that you can bury it and that there's specific uh, rituals and incantations that can be done to keep it buried. Uh, some say you have to bury it with certain objects to keep it from coming back. Now, of course, no one has ever actually done it from what I've noticed, and no one really knows what happens when the contract breaks. However, some claim that it will come back and kill you. And I actually have a story about that a little bit later. Whether or not it's true, I don't know, but I'll share that later. Uh, one thing that is very interesting as well, just as a child, this creature needs to be well-fed. He needs to be kept happy. And how do you do that? Well, you have to make it offerings, things such as toys, milk, candy, sweets, and even biscuits. But also, which is kind of the creepy part, you have to nurse it by pricking your thumb and allowing it to suck your blood. And if you don't feed it, it'll forcefully suck blood from your toes. Yeah, I don't know why toes, people, but apparently <laughs> it'll suck blood from your toes or from your immediate family members within the house while they sleep. So just like all kids. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, and, and of course, it, it gets even weirder than that, because in some cases, which I think we will hear in the story later. Um, well, let's, let's just say that sometimes <laughs> they demand to nurse from a woman, but instead okay. of nursing milk, they milk, they nurse blood, which is creepy and disgusting. Um, yeah. Sorry for those of you who just had to hear that. It's been racking my mind, too. It's gross. Anyway, <laughs> poor people. Yeah. Probably not a good creature to have. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it depends on your views. <laughs> well, it depends on your views. But here's the thing. It's never this creature, according to legend, has never actually been used for good in any way, shape or form. It's usually there to do the mischievous things, stealing jewelry, stealing money, stealing this, stealing that. Mostly just for stealing. However, as Justin said, it does on occasion or can be on occasion uh, used for murder. And it's very rare, according to the folklore, but on occasion it has happened. So that's something that's, well, creepy. This yeah. little bulbous head thing, <laughs> murdering people. <laughs> well, and as I was telling you before we started doing this week's episode is this kind of reminds me of the legend of the melon heads in Ohio, where this doctor, Dr. Crow was experiment experimenting on kids because his child was sick, uh, suffering from hydrocephal hydrocephalus water on the brain. So he was trying to find a cure or tr a treatment for his own kid. So he would experiment painfully on these kids, injecting fluid into their heads until their heads became what we would describe as melon heads, very malformed and, and bulbous looking. And eventually there was an uprising and the melon heads 
uh, set fire to the doctor's house and lab, destroying all the records and all that stuff. And it kind of goes along the lines of any legend you've probably ever heard of. But uh, there supposedly is uh, sightings of the Melonheads even today. So it almost makes you wonder if these particular things are breeding or maybe they're immortal now. I don't know, but interesting that it kind of coincides with this Toyol, even though in the Melonhead story, it wasn't kids brought back from the dead. It it still has that kind of they they have that look to them where their heads are Mm -hmm. kind of bulbous. And I have seen sightings where they have glowing red eyes or uh, very pale or green skin. So it kind of coincides with the toil. Right. Despite the fact that this toil is often used for stealing things, uh, there are ways to stop it or prevent it from stealing stuff. One in particular that I read, which is really interesting, was placing a needle underneath your money or your jewelry because toils tend to be afraid of pricking themselves on needles. Therefore, they'll stay away. Another one is placing your valuables beneath a mirror because toils are afraid of their own reflection, which if you've ever seen the pictures of these toils, I'd be afraid of my own reflection. Be afraid of my own reflection too, yeah. So, um, (laughs) creepy enough. Uh, the, The toil can supposedly can move through walls and even be invisible, which is, you know, very rarely if something, if your money goes missing or something like that and it was a toil, you'd never actually know it. Unless there was dust all over the counter in which your item was. Because then you'd see the little feet and stuff like that from the toil. Some say even that if you were to hide the money, that the toil would still find it easily because it may have something like X-ray type vision, uh, which allows it to draw and sense, uh, or in this case, I guess, actually see where your valuables are hidden regardless of the hiding place. Uh, So a couple of other ways to keep them at bay if you believe in these toils, is to hang strands of garlic because they like to play with those. Also, you can use sand, beans, or put marbles on the floor because like a little kid, the toil will find them and start playing with them and eventually forget all about why it's there. And once it's done playing, they'll just turn around and leave. Um, I don't know if people have actually tried this and it's worked. I don't know if they've videotaped this or recorded. Like, I don't know where these... Where, where, where these ideas come from for weaknesses um, or the, just the story itself. Especially the garlic. Like, well, it smells really bad. As, as a typical kid, a typical kid would be like, ugh, ugh, get it away. I don't want to play yeah. with that. And <laughs> as you said that, I, I, I thought to myself, vampires aren't scared of garlic. They're just afraid they'll start playing with it if it's hanging around. <laughs> that must be what it is. I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, what the idea here is about that. It's weird. So why don't you tell the story that you came across? Yeah. All right. So this is a weird and, well, rather creepy story, to say the least. All right. So this story comes from scaryforkids.com. Again, I'm not stating that the story is true, but I'm stating it's interesting and kind of fun to read. So here we go. In a Malaysian story, there was a young man named Bachuk, who was very lazy and couldn't hold down a steady job. He was also addicted to gambling, and any money he had that he had was squandered in the casino. He lived with his wife and her sister, 
and has a hard time providing for them because of his laziness and his gambling. One day, he was searching through his dead grandfather's possessions when he came across a dusty old suitcase. Now, upon opening it, he found it contained what looked like the withered corpse of a baby. Suddenly, to his horror, the baby opened its red eyes and began speaking to him. He realized that it was a toil. Thank you for releasing me, said the toil, but there are conditions. I can obey your wishes and give you power, but I must eat. The young man sent the evil imp out to creep around the village at night, stealing the possessions of his neighbors. As time went on, Bachuk became rich, and nobody suspected where his money came from. However, the toil began making more and more demands. Bachuk realized that it wanted a new mother. The toil demanded that he be allowed to breastfeed from Bachuk's sister, sucking blood instead of milk. Bachuk sent his wife and sister away to keep them safe, and when the toil discovered this deception, it flew into a rage. The toil attacked Bachuk and sucked every drop of blood from his body until he was nothing more than a withered and desiccated corpse. So, obviously not a very nice creature. No. <laughs> now, now that you read this, I mean, the toil sounds more like a vampiric creature compared to more like a zombie, but the way that the legend reads it, it's almost like a zombie-like creature at, at first. Yeah, you know, when you're reading through some of these legends, I mean, it, it's interesting because the legends change from mm-hmm. story to story, from country to country, et cetera, et cetera, from person to person. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you know, we have this kind of zombie-like creature because it's being reanimated or the body is being reanimated. But in a sense, the vampire is the same thing. Right. I mean, when you look into exactly, it's a reanimation of whatever the you know the person was becoming a vampire. In fact, that's why many people suspect that people who die will come back as vampires. Not that they died as vampires, but they'll come back as vampires. Mm-hmm. And that's because when you look into some of the older legends, you see that the vampire uh, is more of a spirit. It's a vampiric spirit that possesses the dead and then raises such dead to go around and start drinking people um, and killing and doing whatever it wants to do. So we can see some certain commonalities between the toil and the vampire. And of course, many other creatures such as the chupacabra, which is a cryptid, obviously, um, and a couple of others that drink blood. Mm. But we notice that there are very, you know, there are very important and different distinctions between each of the creatures. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, it, it's interesting, but I think if we l- actually look at the broad scope of all of the characters within the paranormal community, um, and I'm talking about the actual paranormal things, not just the people in it, uh, we'll see that there is a certain connection. And, and I think that's kind of like the idea of Pandora's box, because Pandora's box really is the, con- the the ultimate connection to all these creatures and many legends and you know, not even legends, but just just in uh fictional works you know Mm -hmm. so there's this weird connection in the supernatural uh, way of things especially when it comes to the horror stuff yeah and i i think that's why my mind kind of jumped to the whole garlic thing after we were talking about a little bit because it does have a vampiric sense to it and in the same sense it's a spirit reanimating 
the body, not the the dead baby's soul or anything like that. It's just the dead baby itself coming back to life, the body coming back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why it reminded me of the melon heads a little bit, but the melon heads aren't like blood sucking creatures in any way. It's just the way that it, they're described. So in the beginning, you had mentioned you know, black-eyed kids, children of the corn. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think, and we can probably get more into this in post-show, but do you think children are, like, creepy, so we have to apply something <laughs> to them in some type of lore, or do you think it's more so that they're innocent and so we feel evil things would try to take advantage of them. I mean, I think that's kind of like a two way street because I think it could be either or because let's face it, there are plenty of kids out there that are just creepy. Yeah. Period. <laughs> so, um, but at the same time, there is this innocence to, to children as well. And so naturally we think, okay, they don't have the ability to fight off things. Um, you know, these dark creatures, which they have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And with, being a weaker creature that is a weaker human, you know, it, it would naturally be overtaken by something uh, evil or, you know, whether it be a demonic entity or some spirit or some bad juju from a witch doctor in Malaysia or whatever, you know. Um, so I think it is a two way street. And I think people just really tend to find the idea of these kids who are often I think the thing is we we. We can't really relate by the time we're adults. Mm-hmm. And we've been there, but we don't remember our childhood quite like we see children, you know. Yeah. And children can sit there and be very quiet and you have no idea what they're thinking. Or an adult, you might have, an, you know, some type of suspicion. But it, I don't know. It's, it's, they could just be creepy, I guess. I don't know. Some of the stuff that I think about, I, I almost think I'm just a big kid. <laughs> But then I have, like, these dark ideas for stories and stuff, and I'm like, I don't think a kid would be thinking about that. So I, I don't I don't think I'm a big kid anymore. Or I'm just a mixture, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> um, all right, folks, we are going to go into our post show, so stay tuned. We will be right back with Paratruth Radio. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Hey, para fans, do I have a deal for you? 
The people over at Loot Crate are giving our listeners a 10% savings on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Loot Crate is this awesome monthly mystery smorgasbord of a package that you get stuffed with different things from different genres, such as Zelda, Fallout, Harry Potter, and so many more. So to get your 10% savings, make sure you go to trylootcrate.com forward slash paratruth. Again, that's trylootcrate.com forward slash paratruth and enter bridge 10 to get 10% savings on any new subscription. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been talking about the Toil, a mythical creature from Malaysian folklore. Uh, we've covered a couple of different things here, uh, quite a few actually, uh, ranging anywhere from what exactly Toil is, how it comes to be, and of course some of the, the mischievous work that it does, which actually reminds me very much like the Gremlins that we've spoken about during our World War II uh, mm. episode. And, of course, some of the relatability between the toil and other creatures uh, of the night, if you will. Uh, so now we're here in our post show. Yay, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so which means, of course, one of the best things that Justin and I love is the being opinionated. Yeah, that's what we are. So, Justin. Here we are. We've talked about the toil, and this is a creature that – I mean, originally you brought it up to me after seeing uh, one of our listeners post it. And after doing the research, it was, uh, say the least, pretty creepy. Thing. Yeah. Um, well, the pictures alone. Like, yeah, the pictures alone are creepy. But once you actually start reading what it is and what it does, yeah, yeah things get a little creepy. Yeah. So based on a lot of the – the, the the legends that you've read, because I know there were a few, and based on what we've discussed, I, what are your thoughts about this creature? I mean, is this toil something that can actually exist? And do you think that Malaysian witch doctors have the power to reanimate a fetus or a dead baby or, or whatnot? Um, I believe that they have powers in the sense that they work in the dark arts. Uh, whether they can raise the dead, I don't think so. I think it's more of a spiritual thing in nature where it they're summoning t- some type of spirit, whether that's a demon or some other type of mischievous spirit like the trickster or something like that. Um, because, and again, it's it goes down to proof too. We have no proof anywhere that shows that we can reanimate the dead. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, unless there's a bunch of witch doctors hiding a bunch of toils and zombies and whatever else in their basements, which I wouldn't put it past them. But, um, yeah, it, to me, just from the what you read about it going through walls and taking things and in in the paranormal community, there are people that believe that spirits whether they're talking about human spirits or any other type of spirit, even demons can uh, dematerialize things and make them appear somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So that to me looks, looks and sounds more like a spiritual thing in nature than a reanimated corpse. Now they may take the form of this reanimated corpse may even be physical in a sense, but still still spiritual. 
Mm-hmm. What what are what are your thoughts? Do you think that they have the power to reanimate the dead? No, of course not. <laughs> but <clears throat> but I think there is a reason that they use the 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 fetuses or these dead babies. I, I think it's part of the ritual. You know, it, it's a, almost like a digging sacrifice. up the babies. Yeah, it, it's almost a sacrifice to the demonic entities that they're calling upon to become the toils, you know, uh, we see over and over again here that they're, these toils often call for blood. They want to feed on blood. That's one of their main sources. And it would only make sense that if they want to feed on blood, then they're obviously going to want some type of sacrifice, even if the baby's already dead. Mm-hmm. And of course you just say that they're actually using a dead baby. I mean, some well, of these witch doctors I mean, we know for a fact that some witch doctors in certain cultures sacrifice children and, you know, adults and et cetera, et cetera, in order to 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 worship their deities and to summon demons. I mean, the Mayan culture is probably one of the most famous for that. Um, and, and so I think there is a, a reason that these babies are being used, and I think they are being used. I just don't think that the baby itself, the body, is being reanimated, like you said. I think it's just part of the structure to summon this creature, the toil, uh, which must be some sort of demonic-like creature, um, who, who is then coming forth and doing one's bidding. And it sounds very much like any other type of summoning that you would see, whether it's uh, part of the Lesser Key of Solomon or whether it's some type of witch doctor or some type of pagan ritual uh, to, to bring forth a demon. Okay. Well, one thing that actually just popped in my head was uh, in the show American Horror Story, uh, they had the season called Hotel, which I believe is season five. And this vampire um, woman has a baby, like a real baby, vampire baby. And it almost looks like this toil-type creature. And I, I wonder if maybe that's where they got the the idea from. But what are your thoughts on... And now, I mean, I think we both agree that vampires, as far as we know, are not real. But what do you think that maybe the legend and story came from vampire babies? Like, these were the offspring of, of vampires and... In a sense, they thought they were dead, but they uh, un, uh, dug them up and they just suddenly popped to life and they thought it was their magic that did it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> shot in the dark, maybe. <laughs> I don't I have no idea. I mean, it, I think a lot of these are just simply stories. You know, I don't think some many of these things such as vampire babies have ever existed. I think it's just. You know, it, it's like the werewolf, for example. Um, the werewolf legends, some speculate, originate from a disease known as hypertrichosis, uh, which is basically a disease in which somebody has hair all over their body, uh, perhaps receding gum lines and receding uh, – uh, the, the skin around their fingernails are receding as well, giving them this almost sharp claw-like feature. Uh, and many speculate that that's where the werewolf came from. These people weren't really werewolves. They just – had this disease and maybe some of them maybe were angry maybe some of them had this uh uh had had another disease on top of it such as uh rabies or something like that which gave them these anger uh patterns these patterns of anger and and rage which then eventually developed into what (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what i was going to say is to add on to that a lot of these people were 
put into freak shows. Right. So in in my mind, if I'm being looked at in a freak show, I would start to freak out and and get angry and start lashing out at people. So in a sense, that would be a reason as to why they would get animalistic type traits too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I think that's all that's really happening here. I think it's just you know pe- people are adding to the story, thinking of different ways that they can make this vampire creepier. Mm-hmm. Hence, vampire babies. What's more scary than something that never really had the chance to be human in the first place? Mm. Yeah. Well, and it almost makes you you cringe. Well, I mean, it makes you cringe just the thought of what is going on. But, you know, if the family of that child were to find the grave open and how much pain they were already going through and it probably caused that much more pain. It's, it's a sad thing to think about. Um, one thing that, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on because we, you and I personally haven't done a episode on the black eyed kids. I did that with Jerry. Um, what are your thoughts on the black eyed kids? Do you think that, Again, it's more of a spiritual thing. Do you think they're some type of alien-human hybrid? What are your thoughts? I, mean, I still go along with the, the the spiritual aspect of it. I mean, we, we see that these in legend that the black-eyed kids tend to appear and then disappear, just just like that. You know, there's no there's never really any bright lights, so that kind of pulls away from the whole UFO theory. Um, there's nothing that ever says that they float into the sky, which again takes away from your whole UFO theory. Um, but but instead they seem to have this this look that draws dread from anyone who runs into them. Uh, black eyed kids have been most notably uh, uh, recognized in someone's bedroom while they're sleeping. They've seen them in dreams. They'll wake up. They're in the room. Uh, sometimes they'll be by a car or out in their front yard or backyard or whatever. And again, they're there one moment and the next moment gone. And it seems like these black eyed kids eventually go away. You know, there's, there's no real indication as to why they're there uh, other than maybe just scare you. Now, I know there have been stories where black eyed kids have like reached out and tried to get help from somebody, which is probably a ploy. You know, not, not that they're really looking for help. But from what I know, no one has actually gone out of their way to help some child with black eyes. And often these black eyed children move travel in groups, which I think is interesting as well. Um, well, the one legend, or it's not even a legend, it's more of a story because it was a woman telling it, was that she actually did let them in. Okay. And that they were, they kept asking if they could use the phone, and they kept pushing and pushing to, to use the phone, get help. And the woman left, her husband was watching the kids for a second and she left and the house went completely black. And she noticed that the kids were just standing in the dark, like in the next room and the lights came back on and they were gone. Mm -hmm. And she actually saw them outside with these gentlemen in getting into a black car and driving away and after that, her and her husband started having a lot of physical ailments, started getting sick. I believe her husband had a heart attack. And 
some of the the story, the personal accounts that I had come across actually showed that to be a common factor if, in fact, these beings did get inside. Mm -hmm. And uh, one factor that a good friend of ours, Nick Redfern, has brought up on other podcasts and in some of his books is that the Black Eyed Kids are actually linked to the Men in Black. Now, not the Men in Black, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Will Smith, but apparently the the Men in Black are more of a weird, I guess, creature because they're a little bit taller, have grayish skin, almost like mm-hmm. the the Black Eyed Kids, almost like right. they're the parents or, of the Black Eyed Kids or something because there are apparently women in black too. Right. So well, and what's interesting about the black, the men in black, is that they have more so than the black eyed kids uh, have have been recognized uh, as coming and going in UFO type crafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's one story in particular I actually watched on. Uh, what is, I'm not even sure what show it was it was, uh, but I think it was Destination America. Uh, now again, this is television, folks, so you never. You can never believe television. I can tell you that straight up because I've worked in it. Uh, most of it's fake. Anyway, <laughs> the story is that this person, this man, was driving down a highway and his car stalled. It stopped. Everything went dead. And as he looked out his window, he noticed this UFO or this craft land and then a man step out of it. A man dressed, dressed, man dressed in all black uh, with a gray face, black eyes and some kind of sharp looking teeth. Walked up to his window and just stared at him for a little while and then walked back to his craft and then took off. The craft took off again. Now, this is just one story. Now, here's the thing, because I think this is where a lot of uh, ufologists and uh, I, I think just people who are more skeptical and believe in more of the spiritual aspect even kind of butt heads, because obviously – People who study UFOs want to believe that there are indeed UFOs, mm. uh, the, these spherical crafts or whatever shape they are flying around. However, when it comes to 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 seeing an alien or it comes to being abducted, many believe, based on their own evidence, that most of it is happening either during a dreamlike state or some type of illusion or something like that. So we're not actually they're not actually seeing the alien as it is in the flesh. They're not actually seeing the UFO as it is in real time. They're seeing some type of image that some creature or something is putting in their mind. And it kind of makes sense because Mm. how often do we hear about these stories of abductees who claim they've never actually left their car because a lot of this happens on the highway or their bedroom. And yet there seems to be time missing. There seems to be an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours missing between the time that the entity showed up and the time that it left, which is weird because if it was real time, then you should be able to have some type of idea as to how much time is passing. I mean, a dream, for example, how often do we have a dream? And Justin, you can answer this. How often do you have a dream uh, and you feel like that dream is real life and then it's happening over a course of many hours? Uh a lot of my dreams, especially the ones that I am mm-hmm. deciding to to turn into books and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But then you wake up and you realize, oh, it's only been a couple of minutes, maybe an hour at most. You know, not nearly as much time goes by as it does in your dream. I guess that's a a pretty good argument 
as to what exactly these beings are, because maybe they are demonic and maybe they are just getting in your mind or, hey, maybe they are aliens and somehow they're able to transfer images into your mind. I just don't think they're actually showing up, you know, the mm. way that they are. I mean, heck, the man in black, if according to your story, uh, if they are aliens, why the heck are they driving a black car? Yeah, doesn't make sense. They should have taken off in a UFO if they're aliens. Um, so, you know, who the heck knows what's really going on here? But you, you, as you can tell, there are arguments from both sides and both sides make sense. But in the end, th- there's really no proof one way or the other. It, it comes down to just your own reasoning, I think. Right. Well, and I mean, I believe there are still those that believe that the men in black are connected to the government somehow, whether that be because aliens are in league with our our governments or something i don't know uh so but the question that i would have is why would our government just randomly pick a a family or a person <laughs> to go have these men in black take these black-eyed children to to torment and then um nothing happens or you know nothing comes of it or whatever they tell the story and that's it maybe that maybe that's what's going on. Maybe they're doing a fear factor if they're with the government. I don't know. Uh, one thing that I had listened to on a couple of different podcasts now is that uh, the black eyed kids or the men in black might be some type of Tulpa like creature, which is a more of a thought form creation uh, kind of linked to mysticism. Um, do you, I mean, do you think that maybe you, just like a lot of these other creatures that we've talked about that we're just thinking these things into existence or a a entity is attaching onto the fear of these things uh <laughs> i hate to I hate to do this but i think again it can go both ways i think in this case well think about it i mean if if you're simply thinking of something i don't think that in itself will invoke a demonic entity Because according to scripture, a demonic entity, even Satan himself, cannot read your mind. No matter how much you believe he can't, he can't. Period. However, this is where things start going a little weird because if you you start to think of these things, your mind, in your mind, and your mind itself will start to manifest these things. It will be – you know, shadows, shadow people or images or sounds, things like that. Uh, Things that don't even make – like for example – your mind is – well, for example, let's say you hear a noise in your basement. First thing you jump to because you are you have this fear factor all of a sudden because you're thinking about it is that there's something in the basement. It's whatever this thing is that you're seeing. Our eyes are very capable of playing tricks on us. Mm. We see that all the time, especially when it comes to uh, illusions, when it's hot outside. It often looks like there's water on the ground, but it's not. It's just heat, right, rising. So our mind is capable of creating these illusions. Now, the thing is what many people don't realize is as they're thinking of these things, they're also conjuring things up because whatever their mind is doing internally, they're externally reacting to it. And as they're externally reacting, they're then opening doors. And they're how are they reacting? They're looking things up. They're researching they're trying to figure it out. They're asking questions. Those are different little tiny doors that are opening to demonic entities, which will then take their opportunity and manifest as an actual haunting. Start talking so, about these things to people. Yeah, so that you start talking the, to these, the about, demon to these hears people. Them and 
Yeah. And then it's, it's all fair game. You've just invited them in. So I think you can go, it is very easily a two way street on this as well. Okay. Well, I mean, and as we've said with numerous things, I mean, we really don't know because there's no real proof of any of them. <laughs> we don't have any paranormal zoos anywhere or anything with all these creatures in it. So, right. um, so yeah, folks, that's the toyole and the many different weird child creatures that go along with it. But, uh, don't worry next week. We're going to just keep following this weird child creature spirit thing and go into, uh, child spirits connected to demonic activity or hauntings, that sort of a thing. So it's going to be just a buttload of more interesting stuff about weird kids next week. Well, well, that means it's going to stink, dude. (laughs) That was a bad choice of words. No, you've already gone over this in one of your random facts. A buttload is an actual measurement (laughs) of liquid. Good job. You're listening. <laughs> actually, Shelly and I talk about that a lot. That buttload is actually well, a that is measurement just term. Weird. Those are, that's something you keep to yourself. You don't announce to the world. <laughs> <laughs> so literally. <laughs> so folks, uh, make sure that you're you're tuning in next week because it's going to be another real interesting one. Uh, week after that, we will be getting a guest, uh, starting getting guests back. Uh, Scott Kolbaba. Physicians Untold Stories, and uh, that will be airing on August 20th, so stay tuned for that as well. Uh, I am doing more guest appearances on different shows. I'm scheduled to be on uh, Deception Detection Radio, The Iron Show, Jim Harold's Cryptid Report, so stay tuned for all those great shows. Um, there's plenty more that I'm possibly going to be on. So just stay tuned to my author page on Facebook. That's where I'm posting a lot of my stuff or even on Twitter. And uh, make sure you check out FringeRadioNetwork.com, RadioAndPodcast.com, as well as ParanormalForum.net. All right, folks. So until next week, where you will find us, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can find them at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and the Fringe Radio Network. Or for a one-time fix of all of your Paratruth needs, simply drop in to paratruthradio.com. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for brand new updates on our show every day. Finally, we love bringing you fresh, entertaining media each and every week, but we can't do it without you. So please check out our Patreon account. Simply go to paratroopradio.com, click on the Patreon logo, and help us to continue bringing you the latest and greatest in paranormal research.
Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.